Chapter 2 Discovery The following audio presentation is from the novel The Legacy by Joseph A. Fisher, as read by Yoel Ben Avraham, produced and published by ePublicist.ca. project was the first real work he'd had in over five years. It had taken him almost a week of intensive effort, bloodied hands, and a face blackened with grease to get his caterpillar back in operating shape. Now the huge machine lumbered over the flat ground from the highway towards the field he was expected to level. Ahmed was a big man for his kind, not tall, but wide with broad shoulders and bulging biceps, capable of cajoling the heavy equipment he drove and huge hands to hold the heavy tools he used. His short cropped hair was soaked with sweat that he wiped from time to time with a towel that he hung around his neck. The heat was unbelievable. He had known it was going to be especially hot when he arose for morning prayer at usual time just before dawn. The streets of Jericho were normally cool and damp at that hour with the pre-morning dew. Not today. Already then he could feel the dry heat of the Dead Sea Basin permeate every nook and cranny. Even the darkest, most sheltered corners of the Masjid had been hot and dry. With sunrise, the temperatures simply soared. But a job was a job, and this job guaranteed him not only his own hefty hourly wage, but the contractor was willing to pay him per hour for the use of his bulldozer. Alhamdulillah. He thought, proud that once again he could provide for his family with honor, from the sweat of his own labor, after so many months of being forced to accept the indignity of public charity. Carefully, Ahmed negotiated the dry riverbeds with their steep sides, deftly creating a ramp as he drove the machine over the edge and into the wadi. Just a few meters further down, the opposite bank was barely a meter high. There he used the blade to scrape some of the dry sediment and cascade it into the wadi till he had enough to create a ramp his tractor could climb to the top of the other side. The mufferless engine roared as he climbed the steep ramp he'd created, making it difficult to hear himself think, let alone notice any other sound. Once on the top of the bank, as he continued navigating across the almost flat plain, the engine returned to its normally loud but not deafening level. Only then did he finally hear the chatter of the two-way radio he'd been given. Stopping to pick up the extravagant toy, he played with the buttons trying to remember how the woman had showed him how to use it. Almost by accident, he found the two-button combination and clearing his throat shouted, Ahmad here, did someone call me? Luckily, he released the buttons and heard the woman's voice. Sabah al-khir, Ahmad. Good morning, Ahmad. Can you see my jeep? I want you to come here where my jeep is parked 
and we can discuss how the first stage should be done, okay? With a sense of both foreboding and resignation, Ahmed indicated that he understood. A damn woman was going to tell him, Ahmed, how to do what he had spent 20 long, hard years mastering. A woman! Sure, she was supposedly an Arab. Well, actually, Lebanese, and everybody knew there was too much interbreeding between the Lebanese and non-Arab peoples. True, she spoke excellent Arabic. Perhaps more humbly, she spoke proper Arabic, clearly pronounced without the slang and corruption of the street, as if she was some sort of radio announcer from Radio Jordan or Radio Cahir. Well, she was the paymaster, so even though it was, if it insulted him to take orders from a woman, and a young, attractive one at that, he wanted to get paid, so that was that. He had long ago learned it better to stifle his pride and get paid than refuse to compromise and starve. Breaking through his thoughts, his eyes identified the red jeep through the swirls of dust his tractor, tractor's climb had thrown up. She was parked on the edge of the water he had just crossed, just another hundred meters east of him. He turned the lumbering machine in that direction and pressed forward to meet the project's female manager. Sadie had driven down from her Jerusalem hotel in the pre-dawn darkness. Today was the first day of real work on the site of, of what would become an international resort. Although outwardly she was calm and appeared very much in control, inside she could feel the tension and growing trepidation as she neared her destination. This was to be her first project as the overall project coordinator. In the past, she could always defer to someone else, and the people she dealt with knew they would have to answer to someone with more authority if they displeased her. Now she was to be the ultimate source of authority. In other circumstances, she felt ready to that task. Her only source of apprehension was her intimate appreciation that in the Arab world women didn't tell men what to do. Petite, with short dark hair that hung around her face like some sort of helmet, her clear green eyes sized up the ancient tractor as it approached her. She wore simple clothes that covered her womanly shape and billows of loose-fitting fabric to avoid offending the people she was working with. The wisp of a smile drew tight the corners of her full lips as she remembered Ahmed's protestations that the caterpillar could level the cliffs of the Jordan Valley that towered over them to the west. Right now she wasn't convinced it would make it from the highway to the project site as she watched the thick dark cloud of black smoke belt skyward out of the tractor's muffleless exhaust. The morning's heat had surprised her as well as she stepped out of her air-conditioned jeep onto the rugged alluvium field on the shores of the Dead Sea. Arriving after the sun was already fully over the horizon, the heat seared her throat and lungs. How could this old man, sitting in that huge heat-generating machine, endure, she wondered. A sudden breath of wind off the placid waters of the Dead Sea blew her broad-rimmed hat off her head cascading toward the approaching bulldozer. Great, she thought. I should have tied it on. Desperate for as much shade and protection as possible from the blistering sun, she had wandered through Arab and Jewish shops throughout East and West Jerusalem for hours until she finally found something that both met her utilitarian requirements and didn't make her look like some sort of American cowboy. Luckily, Ahmed apparently saw the hat and stopped the tractor. Gingerly climbing down the now quieted mechanical beast, he stooped to pick the hat off the ground and bring it to her. 
It wasn't until he actually handed her the hat that she realized how thoughtful he had really been. Fearful of staining the bright white fabric with his grease-embedded hands, he had taken a clear plastic bag from someplace, worn it glove-like over his hand to protect the pristine white hat. Shukran Abu Amir. Thank you, Father Ramir, Sadie said, using the formal form of greeting and thanks. Hopefully it's a sign of her appreciation for his act of kindness, as well as her respect for his age and self-perceived sagacity. It wouldn't hurt to try and sincerely respect these people, knowing as she did how difficult it was for them to accept her role as manager and order giver. She'd argued against taking the position back in America when the idea came up. The brilliant partners of Hartford, Brandon Associates, just couldn't understand a culture where university-educated men, let alone the simple working-class variety, would take offense at having to take orders from a woman. But you speak Arabic fluently. You understand the customs and worldview of these peoples. We don't, was the standard argument. It was exactly because I do understand their culture and mentality, she'd argue back. But somewhere deep down deep, she understood that the argument was all red herring. It had been decided that she was ripe for a major international project. No one else was available, and that was more important in the Hartford brand and associate scheme of things than 5,000 years of Arabic culture. So here she was, at the absolute pinnacle of her career to date. Her success depended upon men who belonged to a culture that at best relegates women to the sidelines covered by the hijab, at worst hides them in the back room, totally hidden by the chador. Following Sadie's instructions, Ahmed started pushing the layers of sediment and round riverbed stones that had been washed down from the endless rains from the Judean Desert, which towered above them in the west. Sadie had made it very clear where he should push the alluvium cover into long piles of loose earth and water-worn stones and boulders. Why it was important to this woman to push the many tons into the center and not over the water bank, he couldn't fathom, but she was the one who signed the checks he cashed in the Jewish bank in East Jerusalem, so in the middle, he pushed the pliant earth with his proud and capable caterpillar. At one point, 15 minutes into the process, the tractor's blade cut into something that resisted the powerful engine. He tried flooding the engine with yet more fuel to overcome the resistance without success. Then he tried moving the powerful blade up and down and from side to side in the hope of dislodging the larger boulder that he was certain was embedded in the loose soil, again without success. Finally, after getting down and checking out what was stopping him in his powerful machine, he did what any man would do. If force wasn't sufficient, he would use more force, but only if it wouldn't damage his precious caterpillar. Backing up three or four meters, he revved the powerful engine and took a flying leap at full speed towards the offending obstruction. What happened can only be described as cataclysmic. Whatever it was, it moved. But not only did it move, it disappeared, falling somewhere deep into the earth, leaving Ahmed's bulldozer to rush ahead towards the now gaping hole in the earth. 
Just in time, he succeeded in stopping the tractor's forward motion and deftly reversed the engine to extract the machine before it too cascaded into the opening abyss. Seeing the tractor stop and Ahmed get down to investigate something in front of the tractor's huge blade, Sadie was convinced that she had been right. Not even 15 minutes and already this ancient heap of junk was breaking down. Her mind raced to the alternative sources of heavy equipment as she navigated her way across the field towards the unmoving machine. Walking around the huge noisy machine with wide margin of safety in case she missed Ahmed's return to the driver's cabin, she painstakingly worked her way along the ridge of recently piled soil and rounded rocks to a position where she could see Ahmed in front of the tractor's huge blade. He wasn't looking at the tractor as she had expected, but down into the earth in front of it. Ahmed, she yelled. But the noise of the mufflerless tractor made any attempt at getting Ahmed's attention by voice impossible. She tried waving her arms, but Ahmed was intensely looking into the earth, unmoving. With no other recourse, she continued toward the spot in front of the tractor in order to discover the reason for the hold-up, slowly climbing over the recently shifted earth. The darkness of the hole contrasted with the whiteness of the sun-bleached soil around its edge. Somehow Ahmed's tractor had succeeded in dislodging a huge boulder that had fallen into a deep cavern under the ground. The depth of the cavern was so great that in the blinding desert sun it was impossible to see the bottom. Ahmed, are you okay? The tractor? Sadie asked when she finally gotten close enough to shout and be heard. Alhamdulillah. Thank God, was all he could manage to say thinking what would have happened if his precious machine had followed this huge stone into the amazing emptiness just two meters beyond his feet. What is this? Sadie asked, thinking furiously that she had seismic mappings to the construction site and no one had mentioned anything about caverns, great or small, beneath the site's alluvium soil. Ahmed grunted in comprehension, only to realize she couldn't hear him over the roar of the idle bulldozer's engine. A cave, he offered, starting to think of other caves in the region, caves with ancient scrolls and other artifacts that he had heard about since he had been a boy. Scrolls and artifacts with which the Jews, may their name be erased, paid well for when sold to them. That wouldn't happen here, he knew, all the more ruining the fate of his proud people who had relinquished control over this area along the shores of the Dead Sea in exchange for the right to eke out a living at the edges of the Jewish state's 21st century economy.